Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Man, you'd make you make a case that like you think you have bad family drama. I mean, the royal family is just. I don't know if it's because I keep like looking at it on the screen longer than I should, but I keep getting like separate articles. Like now, Queen Elizabeth very sad about barely seeing baby Archie. And then like I'll scroll down a little bit more, and it's like they have no idea what they plan on doing for money. That's that's cute. Well, I think also Dusty, it's because of the time difference. We're getting a lot of news out of the UK right now. Mm. It's 4 a.m. here, but it's like, what, 9 a.m. over there? Is that what time you think it is? I think so. What? Let's see. We'll Google search it. What time is it in the UK? 10.02 a.m. 10.02. That's not bad. Nope. That is. That's why, like, whenever I play FIFA, it, like, Late at night, like, I'm probably better because the only people that are up are probably people that are, like, hammered in the U.K. Mm-hmm. Ron and Liberty, the 49ers weren't the best team in the NFL. I agree. What do you what say you? Hello. Yeah. Yeah, the San Francisco 49ers. Yep. They're the best team of the year. Kansas City Chiefs are the best team ever. <laughs> thanks, for the, thanks for the phone call, Ron. I totally believe that, man. Um, I really don't think San Fran was the best team this year. Now, I get it. There's a lot of people that would say they were because of how good they were offensively and defensively. But, like, I don't agree with that. Like, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is an average quarterback. I don't think he's above average. Um, I think they have a really good tight end. They really didn't get a spark in their offense until Emmanuel Sanders flipped over to the Niners. And right. he was kind of like wishy-washy throughout the end of the regular season. Like, he was there, then he wasn't. Now, Debo Samuel is a stud, and Steven Serta and I do a podcast on the 435 Podcast Network called Forced to Punt. You can hear Steven Serta here in about hmm, just under six hours uh, as he's part of uh, Cody and Gold that you can hear from 10 to 2 um, right after you hear the guys from Fesco in the morning as they'll take over here at 6 a.m. But, like, San Fran just, like, wasn't really, to me... Now, granted, they played a tough schedule this year, and it got real tough down the stretch, and they held their own, and they were the number one seed in the NFC. But, I mean, a lot of people praised the NFC at the start of the year as, like, being the better division. But I think the more talent is over on the AFC side of things. And if you look at it, I think that the Ravens and the Chiefs and 
Maybe we can throw Houston in there because Houston played pretty well and they got a pretty sound, talented team. Now, granted, they got they got some holes. It starts with their head coach slash general manager. But when it comes to that side of the ball, I mean, I think that I think the Chiefs are more talented than the San Francisco 49ers. And when I talk about that, I think that the Chiefs are one of the more sound, this year's team at least, is one of the more sound and fulfilled overall best Chiefs team I think you've ever seen. And you think about it when the Dick Vermeil era was going on, like 2002 to 2004. That's when I started watching the Chiefs. Right. It's like right after I moved here. And that's where, you know, they had the probably one of the best offensive lines ever. The Jets had one in like 2000 and 2001 that was really, really good. I remember that Olin Krutz was, I think, their center. No, no. Uh, Jeff Mawai was their center. Uh, they also had a guy named Jumbo Elliott on their team that was a good lineman that time. That was the Chad Pennington years. Curtis Martin was just running the ball all the time. And the Jets had a really good offensive line. Dallas has had a really good offensive line in years past. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Chiefs had that great offensive line with, you know, Rofe and Wegman and Shields and Waters and, and all those great, great accolades. But they didn't have a defense. Like, your cornerbacks were Eric Warfield and William Barty. Um, You know, your linebackers were a little sketch. You were kind of starting to draft guys that were eventually going to be part of that defense. And then what would happen is that after the Dick Vermeil years were gone, they would just completely flip the script. And then your defense was, you know, a rookie Justin Houston, a a Tomba Lee starting to get into his own a first-round pick in Derek Johnson, a first-round pick in Eric Berry, and you're trying to mold all these guys together, but you didn't have anything on the offensive side because you had nobody playing quarterback that could throw the ball further than 25 yards down the field. And so you were just completely off the spectrum. And then last year, you saw the same type of thing where the Chiefs' offense was historic. Like, they put up numbers that people just didn't realize were able to be put up. And they had a quarterback who was 23, who was the MVP. They had Tyreek Hill, who finally got a quarterback that couldn't overthrow him. Um, They had a tight end in Travis Kelsey, who was getting into the groove of his career. And you had Sammy Watkins, who came over on this team. You had guys like Chris Conley that were able to fit this scheme. And Kareem Hunt for most of the year, too. And you had Kareem Hunt for most of the year. That was just a multi-talented running back in that system. And the offense was so good, as bad as the defense was so bad. And... What happened this offseason, and again, this is where we give more credit to Brett Veach, who is really just trying to work on getting that same type of level as acronym level as GMDM. He just really wants GMBV. He doesn't. That's just me making things up for entertainment value on the internet or on the radio. And what I think is interesting is that this Chiefs team, like even during the dark ages when they were really bad, on the offensive side they had Jamal Charles, and on the defensive side, yeah, they were loaded. You know, you had good defensive talent. You remember that year they went to the Pro Bowl? They had like seven defensive players go to the Pro Bowl, and mm-hmm. then it was like Jamal. Yeah. And, and Colquitt. And Colquitt every year. And now with this Chiefs team, you're seeing more of a all-around team. And what Nick and I were talking about in the previous segment was when this year is getting ready to start, you told yourself last year, I feel like this team has an offense that can clearly get you to the Super Bowl. The defense would have to just have a really good game. 
Because last year you watched that Rams-Chiefs game where the Chiefs lost 54-51, to and you think to yourself, how on earth do you lose a game when you score 51 points? Well, you were the first team to ever do it because your defense was just so astronomically bad. And this year your message was just get a defense in the top 15. Just get a defense that doesn't negate the greatness of your offense. Correct. And you didn't need a defense that was going to go out there and get two takeaways a game and, and only only give up an average score of 12 points a game. Like You didn't need it to be that lopsided where you had the best offense and the best defense. Now, the Ravens had a really good recipe for, for everything. I think they had, according to DVOA, I think they had the number one offense and like the number three defense. That's just something that, that's just special, but how are they doing, right? And, you know, part of the reason they had such a great offense is because they were just blowing teams out in that AFC North, like Cleveland and Cincinnati and Pittsburgh early on, and doing that, you know, consistently. They also didn't play the toughest schedule. Now, this Chiefs team this year is the first time in my life and the first time that I've really peeled back the layers and looked at a team from a media standpoint of somebody who's got to go on a radio station and do four hours of content and not sound like a homer. But what this Chiefs team has is just balance all the way around and where they have talent on the offensive side, it's almost as equal as it is on the defensive side. Like, you have Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, Rashad Breeland. I mean, I'll throw Kendall Fuller in there. Chris Shavarius Jones. Wards, Chris Jones has done well. And Tano Passanio went from being oh, wait. cut. Terrell Suggs. Terrell Suggs is a late addition, so he hasn't really been here all year. But then again, it's all about where the defense is now. Right. And the thing about it is, is you had a guy in Tano Passanio that was going to get cut. He was my surprise cut in training yeah. camp when we did that segment on Out of Bounds. Exactly. And... He's now been a dominant force in this defense. And it all goes to the point of somebody teaching a scheme and then everybody else buying into it in leadership. And I think what's always lacked on both sides of the ball from getting a team to be consistently consistent on both sides of the ball is you didn't have consistency, a bought-in theme, and leadership on both sides of the ball. Nowadays, to take a couple other segments and put them together, Tyron Matthew is clearly the leader on the defense. Spagnola's scheme works, and the rest of the team has bought in and believes it. On the offensive side of the ball, Patrick Mahomes is the clear leader of this defense or this offense. The scheme that Andy Reid has put together works, and everybody's believing inside of it that works. So when you put those two things together and you make a Venn diagram of a balanced team, what's in the middle? Balance, equality, belief. What's on the outside? Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones, Frank Clark. Rashad Breeland, Charvarius Ward, and on the offensive side, it's Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Damian Williams. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You lose when you play the Chiefs because they are just so balanced as a team in the NFL that teams strive for this type of defense and offense to be on the field at the same time. San Francisco's numbers might be skewed because they have great field position, and their offense is able to score 20 yards out. Congratulations. But the Chiefs, if you think about it, can score anywhere on the field, and they can stop anyone on the field at any time. San Francisco, very, very, very good defense. Their offense, eh. Yeah, they run the ball very well, collectively and sound. That's fine. Their quarterback doesn't play the elite-level quarterback style that the Chiefs do, and they don't have a receiver like the Chiefs do in Tyreek Hill. Now, they got a pretty damn good tight end in George Kittle. I'm not going to take that away from him.
But when it comes to balance and equality, this is the best Chiefs team you've ever seen from the 90s and Marty where it was run heavy and great defense and from the 2000s where it was Dick Vermeil where it was great offense, couldn't get off the field on defense, and from where it was the dark days where you had Jamal Charles and six pro bowlers on the other side, you never got where you wanted to get because you just had, didn't have the consistency that you have today with this team where both sides of the ball can win you a Super Bowl. I think that's really big, too, as you talk about consistency. And that's what Andy Reid has brought. I mean, Andy's been here in Kansas City for seven years. So he's right. kind of been able to. And how many losing through, seasons does he have? None. Exactly. Yeah. And so here's the big thing, too, is that he has been able to come in kind of with his vision. And now he's got his GM that sees alongside that vision. He's got his offensive coordinator. He's got his defensive coordinator. And they've put all these guys around them to where they've been able to focus on building this team as a whole and not, oh, new coach coming in. Hey, the offense is great, but the defense is terrible. Let's spend the next three years drafting defense. Then three years from then, you're in the same spot but flipped. Like exactly. Andy Reid has been here long enough to be able to build up on all three phases of the ball with his coaching staff, with his player personnel, the perfect team that he's been looking for and the best team that they can possibly imagine putting together. And that's what you're seeing right now. And it becomes addicting, and it becomes other players in the league that want to play for it. Defenses want to play for Patrick Mahomes. Offenses want to play for guys like Tyron Matthew because they know they're going to get the ball, they're going to get opportunities, and they're going to get chances. Just go look at what Terrell Suggs said when he talked to Andy Reid. It was a short conversation, and it was all about playing for somebody like Patrick Mahomes. They can both help each other out, and they can both get you to the place that you want to get to. We've got about an hour and 45 minutes left of our part of 50 consecutive hours. And then myself and Nick Price will be gone until Saturday where you can catch us live and local on 610 Sports Radio with our show Out of Bounds. Coming up next, this team that the Chiefs have is indeed writing checks their bodies can cash. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. Past two games, each game, 70 yards, over 200 yards each game. I know damn well we want to win the game. We let that happen. They come in here. He ran for 70 yards. They call him the best rusher in the league. We're sitting in this home room. I posted the comments that you said to me. And all over social media, everybody said, you better watch your back. And you're saying things that you can't cash. Everybody on social media is saying, they must not know who I am yet. They're going to find out sooner or later when I got that ring on my finger. At the end of the day, we champions. AFC. That trophy that got my own the last name on it, that's the KC. KC, ain't no fall off. Last year, jump off sides all that. I told him when I got here, there's no change. Look at the we the best world. I wish I was as good at something as Frank Clark to where I could talk like that much mm -hmm. and be okay with it. Like so many people will tell you, you know, the more this gets out, especially like if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, like we said earlier, that like if they continue to be dominant in the way that they played their style of football, it won't be much longer until people are like, God, I just hate Frank Clark. Right. You won't in Kansas City because he's your your team. He's the dog on your defense. But like what Frank Clark is doing, you can't be mad at. Like, you can tell people to lead with a quiet sword. That's not what this sport is. 
if you spend your whole life in this sport trying to be Mr. Nice Guy, eventually you're just going to get ran amok. Like, even Tom Brady eventually, like, stopped giving a rip. Right. Like, eventually Tom Brady was like, yeah, we don't care. We're just going to play our football. We're going to do what we do, and I don't care if people hate us or not. You remember last year, which is so hard to watch. Again, I'm not a New England fan, so it's even harder. But you remember when Tom was, like, trying to get the crowd jacked up? We're still here. Like, obviously, man. But, like, that was Tom being like, I just don't give a crap anymore. Like, I'm going to own the bad guy label. I'm going to just own all of this and just move forward. And at some point, you know, the the media and just, like, the general public doesn't really give you a choice. No. Like, eventually. They're going to class you. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. But, you know. I don't know. This kind of stuff is like, this is the kind of stuff that the NFL and like really any sporting league just like loves to see. No trash, like a lot of trash talk, but also backing it up so that it's not empty trash talk. And that's what we're seeing from the Chiefs right now. You know, you have Frank Clark right there saying how everybody's doubting them and you know dropping a lot of f bombs and everything. But right. then you had Frank Clark earlier this week saying, "Hey, Derrick Henry, you know he's he's really not that hard to tackle. He's not that great at breaking tackles." And so what they do, they held them under 70 yards. Right. And it all goes back to, like, how you see this content develop. Like, it was, like, you can't be, you can't have both sides of it and be mad at the situation. Because it was guys like Skip Bayless creating content saying, you're not going to be able to stop Derrick Henry. And it's people that do stuff like that that don't do their due diligence when it comes to research. And if people would just stop and look and realize that once the Chiefs gave up 188 on the ground to Derrick Henry in that Week 10 Titans game, they hadn't given up 100 yards rushing except once to Josh Jacobs against the Raiders. To the probable rookie of the year. Yeah. And I mean, again... That's all the Raiders had. And, like, the Raiders are going to run the ball against you because they don't trust Derek Carr at Arrowhead when it's cold. And that's exactly what happened. Like, the Chiefs are just like any other sport team when they play a team like the Oakland Raiders. Like, there's a reason why Josh Jacobs had 100 yards. Because the Chiefs knew that he couldn't solely beat them. And because the Chiefs were kicking the crap out of them. And it's just like when you play other sports. Like, let's say that you're going to play a basketball game and the team you're playing has a really good inside guy, you're going to tell yourself, you know what, player X, we're just going to let him have his 20 points and his 10 rebounds, and that's fine. We know we can score 60. As long as they can't find 40 somewhere else, we're fine. So what the Chiefs do against the Oakland Raiders, hey, Josh Jacobs, you want to run the ball every time? That's totally fine. We're going to put up 14 points, and we're going to dare you to make Derek Carr throw it. They did. What happened? Pick six, Thornhill, game over. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. You can still run the ball with Josh Jacobs. That's the only guy who's ran for 100-plus yards against the Chiefs since week 10 when Derrick Henry did it for 188. Also, Carlos Hyde, the last time they played the Chiefs, ran into the end zone, made it very clear, obvious, what he said the Chiefs couldn't do when he spoke into the camera. They can't blank and stop us is what he said. And then he kept talking that game the next time they played each other. And Carlos Hyde got cut by the Chiefs, so he had a little bit of vendetta that, again, he started. Frank Clark is just not going to be one of those guys that's going to let that type of content get swept under the rug. That's not who Frank Clark is. 
And when Tyreek Hill says that there's not anybody that can guard this offense because of how fast they are, he's not lying. And then he went out and backed it up, and he had two touchdowns in the AFC Championship And game. one of the touchdowns he had was on a jet sweep, yes. But it was something that you couldn't guard no. because he's too damn fast. And then when he hit a seam in the middle of the end zone, you couldn't catch him either, and he backed it up. Again, it fits the motive of everybody in my entire life had always told me, Dusty, you've got a big mouth. It's loud. Don't write checks your body can't cash. You know, don't go out here and say you can do something and then don't do it. What have the Chiefs done every time somebody says they can't do anything? Dalvin Cook came to Kansas City, and Dalvin Cook is one of the top five running backs in all of football. He didn't run for 100 yards. Stephon Diggs, great receiver, had one catch for four yards, and they lost to Matt Moore. The Chiefs do things this year that you haven't seen from the Chiefs before because they've always let that type of stuff get swept under the rug. And again, the Chiefs have never won an AFC championship. Now they have, and you look at things that have added to this recipe, because again, you can bake a cake, but you don't get the end product by adding vanilla or adding a little salt, adding a little sugar, a little bit of baking soda, flour, brown sugar. All those ingredients go into this glorified cake at the end. You need a little salt from Frank Clark. You need a little sugar from Patrick Mahomes. And at the end of the day, when it's all said and done and your team is sitting in Miami representing the AFC, you can let all those other people hate you all you want. Go look at those Seattle Seahawks teams. Remember when Richard Sherman was letting people know how he felt? Look where he's at now, and look what team he's representing, and look where they're at. They're playing the Chiefs in Miami because they have a little bit of different type of volume of levels of personalities that they can back it up. Now, teams that can't back it up don't tend to last very long. You look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're not around right now. You look at the Baltimore Ravens. It was fun watching Mark Ingram all year. He got hurt in the playoffs, and now they're not in there. Look at even, like, staying in that division. Look at the Browns. They were talking a lot. There was a lot of talk coming out of the Cleveland Browns in the offseason. They didn't back it up. Now they look like a joke. Exactly. But guess what? Like, there's a difference between being cocky and being confident. The Chiefs might have a little bit of both, and that's okay because they go out there and they back it up. Exactly. And my dad, my whole life, has always told me to live the life of, you know, be exalted and you'll be humbled. Be humbled mm. and you'll be exalted. And this is something that, like, I've never seen on a Chiefs team. Like, I grew up as a small child watching Dale Carter play cornerback for the Chiefs. They weren't good on defense. They were good. They weren't great. But nobody in my lifetime has ever been as vocal as Frank Clark has been or Chris Jones or Tyron Matthew. And damn it, this is something that this team has needed. This is something that this team is using as an advantage. And this is something that at the end of the day, yes, they're very vocal. Yes, at the time, there's only been six or four teams left in the NFL. And the social media world that is so big shrinks down a little bit because there's only so many teams that are representative are represented, and you can only hear so many people talk. But Frank Clark is one of those guys that every time he says it, he backs it up with the way he plays, and he backs it up with the facts before the present. Like we said last night, or yesterday morning, my God, I'm still losing it. It was the Titans who stood on the Chiefs logo during intros. It wasn't the Chiefs that told him to do that. It wasn't the Chiefs saying anything like that. All the Chiefs were saying when it came to Derrick Henry was, yeah, he's a big dude. you got to tackle his legs, and the motor stops. What are they supposed to say? And you know what they did? They did exactly that, and guess what happened? 
Patrick Mahomes almost outran Derrick Henry in a game where they were calling him the king. And get ready for more of it because they're just going to keep getting vocal because they're going to just keep feeling themselves. One looks good, the other plays clearly better, and one's clearly more talented than the other. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. Some non-football news today. Baseball will announce its Hall of Fame class for 2020 today at 5 o'clock. Uh, 6 o'clock Eastern time for those of you that are listening on the radio.com app. Um, it's pretty obvious that the most guaranteed player possible is probably going to be Derek Jeter. Uh, Jeter two. Yeah, Jeter, who won five World Series titles during his 20-year spell with the Yankees, has been included on every ballot made public and is pretty much a lock to surpass the 75% threshold required to be elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. In fact, a lot of people think that the 45-year-old might be uh, only the second player in MLB history to unanimously be selected to the Hall of Fame. Nick Price, do you know the other? Is it Rivera? It is. Mariano Rivera is the only other player that was selected on every ballot. That's why I find it crazy. Like Guys like Cal Ripken uh, weren't. Guys like King Griffey Jr. were not. Guys like George Brett, Nolan Ryan had really high percentages, like in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, there was one guy that was like, you know what? I don't think George deserves it. Yeah, He, uh, he didn't sign my baseball when I was seven years old. Um, of course, the thing that kind of goes around the Baseball Hall of Fame selection um, is that there's some trends that are something you need to look out for. Uh, one of them, this is Larry Walker's last possible year on the ballot. This is his 10th year. He has trended upwards in the last few, rising from 10.2% in 2014 to 34.1% in 2018, and he was a 546 Again, you need to get above 75% of the ballots to make it in. Some players that will continuously miss out, guys that they bring up are Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, and... Roger Clemens. Obviously, they're all linked to that Balco incident where they all took steroids, allegedly, um, as a personal advantage. I think Barry Bonds deserves to be in. Uh, Barry Bonds is probably my favorite baseball player of all time. Derek Jeter is mine. That's fine. That's, yeah. a, that's a good one to have. He's in my horny Hall of Fame, as you would say. Yeah. That's uh, yeah your sports horny Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah, Bonds, man. I mean, when it comes to di- when it comes to Barry Bonds back in that – that year where he just cranked 73 bombs, it was just something just of, I mean, I get it. People are like, yeah, he was juiced out of his mind. His, his head looked like a prize squash, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever you want to call it. That's a, I stole that from Family Guy. It was still, it was must-watch TV. Uh, Those, yeah. Like the end of the season, you know? You wanted to be watching that when he hit it. Yeah, it was just one of those things where, like, it was effortless. Yeah. It was one man who just completely changed the aspect of baseball. Like, you just didn't pitch to him. He set the record for intentional walks, yet also had, like, the record for most, like, at-bats between home runs. Like, it was, he was averaging, like, five-and-a-half at-bats between home runs, which is uncanny. For those of you out there that are statistical baseball nerds, like my dad and I were, like, we played Stratomatic Baseball, mm-hmm. which is just a card game with dice. And Barry Bonds had, like, five clean home runs on his card where it's just, like, one, like, if you rolled a, f- a three through a seven, it was a home run for Barry Bonds because 
That's how they use the statistical stuff. But Derek Jeter should be announced today around 5 o'clock into the 2020 class Baseball Hall of Fame and something that he could go down as the second player um, ever to clear all 425 ballots and have 100% vote in um, to... uh, to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Baseball, which is 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 struggling right now. Uh, very much so, especially with the continued oh, scandals that are on. Yeah. I don't I mean to be on. a I don't mean to be a buzzkill um, about <laughs> it, but uh and the hell, the, yeah, the hell with the Astros. Um we we left this this stage where we left this content with this Super Bowl is gonna be interesting, right? There's going to be a ton of storylines because there's only two teams left, so you have all the time in the world in the two weeks to just pick apart what you want to follow. You can think of the Chiefs and the and the connections they have with the Niners when it comes to Alex Smith, Elvis Gerbach, Steve Bono, uh, Joe Montana. You can go to who's the better tight end, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. You can look at, you know, whose legacy is more on the line when it comes to Jimmy Garofalo or Patrick Mahomes. Like Patrick Mahomes was the obvious child for the chiefs in 2000 and um, in, in 2017, when they drafted him 10th overall with that trade against Buffalo, Jimmy Garoppolo coming in from behind of Tom Brady and becoming the next, I guess, system style quarterback that just seems to always win. One has a weird voice. The other one has a really good looking face. When it comes to Patrick Mahomes versus Jimmy Garoppolo, it's comical. It really, really is. And when you look at passing yards this year between the two quarterbacks, and I think Nick Price and I were doing this earlier, in week 10, Patrick Mahomes threw for 446 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks for a 119.2 rating. Jimmy Garoppolo's best game this year was against Arizona, In week 11, he threw for 424 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions, a 115.4 rating. His next best game was 349, four touchdowns, one interceptions with a 131 rating. That was that great classic game in week 14 against the New Orleans Saints that we thought we were all going to get again, but New Orleans pooped the bed against the Minnesota Vikings in the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes... Second best game was week two against Oakland, where he threw 443, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, had a 131 QBR. I don't know how to say this. Jimmy Garoppolo has about two to three games a year that are probably Patrick Mahomes' B game. But according to Jimmy Garoppolo, those are his A games. There is no comparison when it comes to Jimmy G versus Patty Mahomes. There just really isn't. And you can sit back and you can say, Dusty, that's unfair to think that like people will compare the two. They will. Just wait. Right now, both teams and the content that you're seeing from NFL Network, that you're seeing from ESPN, right now people are just setting the scene. They're just telling you that the San Francisco 49ers really like to run the ball and the Chiefs really like to pass the ball. The Chiefs just won their first AFC Championship game. The Niners have done this so many times before in the NFC. This is the Joe Montana Bowl. Eventually, we're going to get there. I would assume we're probably going to get here by Friday where it's going to be like Jimmy G versus Patrick Mahomes because eventually you just run out of time to put storylines together. 
But what I'm telling you that if it's these two quarterbacks that decide the future of the Super Bowl in Miami this year, Chiefs fans, you should never feel more comfortable in your life. Like, let's look at Jimmy Garoppolo when he plays against teams that are actually worth a darn. Now, that New Orleans Saints game was a really good game. Mm -hmm. But his best games came against Arizona, Arizona, Cincinnati, Seattle, Pittsburgh, and week three. Okay, this is before the, the Pittsburgh Steelers really turned it on. The Rams, Seattle, the Rams. And by the way, when I'm reading these numbers against Pittsburgh, 227 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions, and 82.4 rating. Against Seattle in week 17, where they really, really needed him, 285, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. He didn't turn the ball over. He might be glorified Alex Smith. But against Cincinnati, 296, three touchdowns and a pick. You look at what Patrick Mahomes has done against his opponents that are tough, Tennessee in the playoffs, or I'm sorry, Tennessee in week 10 when they were really good. Granted, they lost, not because of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes had 446 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Week two on the road early in the season where you can really dictate how it goes, 443, four touchdowns, zero interceptions against the Raiders. Week one, starting the year off against Jacksonville, who had a good defense at the time, 378, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Baltimore, that Baltimore team, week three, 374, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. You getting what I'm saying? I don't need to read numbers anymore. Mahomes shows up against good teams. Garoppolo shows up against bad teams. Now, the only anomaly for Jimmy Garoppolo is the fact that he did it against New Orleans Saints in that great classic throwdown of a game. New Orleans has a good defense. They just didn't have it that day because sometimes the schemes work. But I will say this. When it comes to Patrick Mahomes and Jimmy Garoppolo, if that's the deciding factor outside of the head coach, Kansas City Chiefs fans, relax. You should be all right. I'm not trying to say that I'm jinxing this Super Bowl. I'm just trying to let you know that when they start to flip the narratives of the quarterbacks and try to make it look like it's something that it's not, it really isn't. At the end of the day, Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy that works in a system that is a really good-looking lad. And Patrick Mahomes is the future, the face, and the highest merchandise-selling quarterback in the NFL for many, many reasons because he's attractive with his arm and his talent. You can be attractive at your face and what you look like in your, in your personal looking skills, but in the NFL, you better be attractive when it comes to your talents, your arm, and your know-it-all of the game. Yeah, and that's the, where Mahomes excels over Jimmy G. At the end of the day, Jimmy G is a mid-level quarterback in the NFL, and Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL. Exactly. Well said. It's all well you done. Need. We got a little bit more than an hour left when it comes to this Super Bowl as well. Andy Reid, who is the nation, and he is everybody's spirit animal when it comes to them. That's who everybody's rooting for. And I'll also tell you this it's Spagnola and Badger that have that similar connection that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have. Out of bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. Back in on 610 Sports Radio as we continue 50 consecutive hours celebrating 50 
ears of the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to talk about Andy Reid in this segment because I think everybody loves Andy Reid. I think the entire world of football wants Andy Reid to get a Super Bowl. Two reasons why. I think there's some people that are just Richards out there. They're like, just let him win it. Get over with. And I think there's other people that just genuinely love Andy Reid. And this was from Donovan McNabb on Twitter. Just a picture of Andy Reid smiling in a Chiefs hat and his typical game day attire. And it just says, so happy for the guy. Best I've ever had as a coach. That's my coach. Couple of smiling, laughing, crying emojis. And then one that just says, congratulations, Andy Reid. I think it's fair to think that there are a lot of people out there that are ready to see Andy Reid get the title. I know they always say nice guys finish last and that, you know, not everybody gets to shine in the moment that everybody else got. And you think about guys that have Super Bowl titles, you know, even guys that are underneath Andy Reid's ring, like Doug Peterson and John Harbaugh, Mike McCarthy, guys like that have Super Bowl titles. And you look at yourself and you're like, man, like how different would it be if Andy Reid could just look at the end of the day and see the Lombardi trophy? Like he, if, he's like the only coach in the NFL that doesn't need an NFL title to clarify how great he truly is. But a Super Bowl title would just cement that for the rest of his life because then it would just be like, I finally got it. And it starts a new conversation for Andy Reid. Right. It starts a conversation of, you know, especially if he can get more than one, where does he rank as far as, like, is he one of the greatest of all time? Which I think he is. Yeah. I but mean, like this just like backs up that argument even more. I think it's pretty. I think if you took a poll and you went around and you asked, we we would make the sample size huge to where like it would just even more solidify our point. And you went around and you asked 10,000 people in Miami. Let's say that you and I went to Miami for the Super Bowl. We went and asked 10,000 people that were knowledgeable in football or we just went down radio row and asked everybody around who are the top two coaches in the league. I think everybody would say Belichick, mm-hmm. and then I think everybody would say Andy Reid. Yeah. Right? I think that is is pretty obvious. And I think that when we talk about Andy Reid, we can run into the blurred lines of some Homer mannerisms, but I want to let you know that I, I'm not being a Homer when I tell you this, that I think that the NFL, when it comes to the league itself, not just in general like players and fans – when it comes to players and coaches or ex-players and ex-coaches, I think they all want to see Andy Reid succeed. This is more than just the Chiefs winning a Super Bowl. This is more so Andy Reid. And I want to tell you right now, I want you to be careful what you ask for because Andy Reid is one of those types of professionals that once they get the track or they get the notion of how to do something, they can do it several times. And the one example I will give you is look at Andy Reid after buys and then look at Andy Reid's divisional record. When he knows who you are or he has time to prepare, it's almost like it's impossible for you to be successful against it. Now, when it doesn't go that way, people tend to react in a certain way, but that's what happens when things go zag when normally they zig. And when it comes to James Palmer, who does a lot of excellent work for NFL.com and NFL Network, He had this to say 
following the Chiefs winning against the Titans and what other players slash coaches have said about Andy Reid and maybe getting the Super Bowl 54 title. They want to see Andy Reid get there and win a Super Bowl. It's really the only thing he hasn't done this in his career, one of the winningest coaches in NFL history. Actually, this morning, when I asked him about everybody reaching out, he told me right before he got to the podium is when he finally got back and got finished getting back to every single person that reached out to him. One of those people that was really watching him on that stage was Jason Kelsey. I ran into him on the field last night. You know, his brother Travis obviously playing for the team, and Jason is in this league because of Andy Reid when he brought him in as a center with the Philadelphia Eagles, and he just told me, I want to see Andy Reid win a Super Bowl. That would mean so much to me. Mike Vrabel, even before this game started, said that the league is a better place because of people like Andy Reid. And Andy Reid was a great mentor to him in his search going out and interviewing for different head coaching candidacies. Dave Tobe, their special teams coordinator here, said if they win the Super Bowl, he will not stop hugging and crying while he's doing it <laughs> with Andy Reid. And Eric Bieniemy, who's also a great friend of his and the offensive coordinator, couldn't even describe what his emotions would be if Andy Reid ends up winning a Super Bowl. And lastly, Patrick Mahomes added that he will be more happy for Andy to win a Super Bowl than he will be for himself. The coaching tree that is around the league with Andy Reid and everybody in this league that cares so much about him, I think, is rooting for Big Red to get himself a Super Bowl, really the one thing he has yet to do. Live on 610 Sports Radio, Dusty Likens, Nick Price. This not again Miller. is not. No, this isn't the Ben Maller show. Jeez. In case you've been under a rug in Kansas City, we're doing 50 consecutive hours of sports radio live and local because that's what we care about because you, Kansas City, is who we care about. That audio clip was James Palmer talking about people in the league talking about Andy Reid. And what's funny is that he says that Jason Kelsey was one of those players that came up to him and said he's really rooting for Andy Reid to get a title, as Jason Kelsey should, because Andy Reid is basically the reason Jason Kelsey has a Super Bowl title. It was Andy Reid who talked to Philadelphia, a team that was not hesitant in letting Andy Reid go because they thought that it was time to move on. The records had started to slip in Philadelphia, and they let go of Andy Reid as their head coach. Andy Reid then told them, years after when Doug Peterson was his assistant in Kansas City, that that's who they should hire. Then they hired Doug Peterson. What did he do? Took him to a Super Bowl. Oh, that's not it, though. Then Doug Peterson's star quarterback, Carson Wentz, got hurt, and he had to play somebody. He played Nick Foles. The only reason that Nick Foles was playing for the Philadelphia Eagles is because he needed a team, somebody he was familiar with, and that was Doug Peterson, and the reason that Nick Foles came back and played football is because Andy Reid talked him out of retirement and let him know that he could play football and there was a chance that he could possibly get another contract in his life. Guess what happened? He went and played for Philadelphia. He won Super Bowl MVP. He got signed by a contract in the offseason by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And now Nick Foles has now made more money than he could ever imagine, partially because of Andy Reid. You also look around the league and you look at guys like Ron Rivera who got fired because partially he's a dinosaur fossil that doesn't want to change. Now, that's something different that Andy Reid can't take away from you. But when it comes to Andy Reid and John and, uh, and Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera, two-time coach of the year, went to a Super Bowl under Andy Reid's tree of success. There's a lot of people in this league that have many things they can thank Andy Reid for. Super Bowl titles, MVP, 
Hall of Fame careers, advice, everything. Even guys like Mike Vrabel before the game, before he was about to get beat by the Kansas City Chiefs, even said, you know, you just really hope guys like Andy Reid can get it done at the end of the day. You look at guys like Brett Favre, who never was a player underneath Andy Reid's head coaching regime, but knows that Andy Reid is one of those guys that it's like, you know what, this guy deserves it. And when it comes to the nation and the support of what this Super Bowl means, you might not have a lot of people rooting for the Chiefs to get a Super Bowl. You might not have everybody on the Mahomes bandwagon where they want to see the superstar of the NFL get a Super Bowl ring. This is one thing that I think would be unanimous is that everybody is kind of behind the Andy Reid bandwagon of it's just time for one of the nicer, complete human beings of this crazy world that is the NFL to finally maybe possibly get that ring and knock that off his case. Because honestly, there really is nothing else Andy Reid can accomplish in the NFL other than a Super Bowl. He's been fired. He's been hired. He's won an NFC championship. He's won an AFC championship. He's won coach of the year. He's coached quarterbacks that have made it to the Hall of Fame. He's got all these accolades. The only one missing is the one that's called the Lombardi Trophy. And there's a lot of people. Now, depending on what side of the spectrum you're on, either want him to get it so people will shut up about it, or they want him to get it because he solely, truly, honestly deserves a Super Bowl title. And I tell you, be careful what you wish for. Because we've seen it before that once Andy Reid can figure something out, it is forever locked away in his mind, and you don't know what could come after. If Andy Reid could knock away one Super Bowl, who's to say he can't knock away two, three, four? Not and three, then he, not four, not five. I mean, that would be insane if he got five Super Bowl titles. Now, he is in the younger part of his 60s, and he does have what some people think is the best player in the NFL who plays the position at quarterback, which is just about the most perfect combination you could possibly have as a head coach. So when it comes to the end of the day, I think Andy Reid is the guy that a lot of people around the nation, when it comes to Super Bowl Sunday, that a lot of people be rooting for. They might be supporting your Chiefs because Andy Reid coaches them, but there's a lot of players, vets, coaches, fans, supporters, that are ready to see Andy Reid raise that Lombardi trophy up. And I tell you this, again, be careful what you wish for because there's a possibility Andy Reid could knock them all down for many years to come. Ripe is what you need to stay relevant. The NFL is always ripe because the turnover success is so great. Your Kansas City Chiefs are the ripest fruit in the room. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.